Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to Ignite Your Heart and Soul right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest all the way from Scotland is Leslie Marsh. Whose talk are you walking? Is it yours? We inherit stories that push our own out of reach. We are then weaving a cloth of limitations with threads of expectations and fears of others. What about our own stories? What if we become the authors of our own story? What if we wove the design of our own lives? This is what she's written. This is what we're going to be speaking about today. Um, Leslie is uh, Gosh, she's done quite a lot here, uh, was a veterinary nurse, worked in Morocco and France, back in London, where she became head nurse of a very busy small animal practice. Um, she's uh, hung up her stethoscope and she became master practitioner of a NLOP. Ericsson hypnosis and storytelling and she has many healing modalities that can be used to bring balance and harmony back into view. Uh, formerly training in shamic practices um, in Glasborough with uh, Howard and Elsa Malapas of the Warrior and the Heart Foundation and since then she has worked in sh with shamans in Europe, Canada and Nepal. So today is about who's talk on whose walk are we living i say this all the time we are constantly living up to somebody else's expectation some society's dictation of who we should be and how we should behave and what we should become and what the definition of success is and then we find ourselves kind of flapping on on the branch in the wind going who the hell am i what am i really here to do because i don't feel attached to anything and I can't live up to this expectation. So how do we become ourselves? That's the question, isn't it, Leslie? Welcome to the show, love. Hi, Sarah. I think you are absolutely right. But of course I would. Because, <laughs> you know, that's the story. And it's a case of we are consistently dissociating ourselves from source. Mm -hmm. But in order to get through to that source, we have to go through a whole minefield of different expectations, different ideas, different duties, guilts, and the wonder of it is that we actually get through a day, never mind a whole lifetime. Yes, yes, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of rather painful really, isn't it? And I think, you know, social media is one where we really see a great deal of this, of either the one-upmanship or the competing or that I'm only important if I've got this many followers or if, I, if I'm doing this, oh, I'm doing videos or every day, oh gosh, have I got to do that now to live up to that expectation? And we really don't know how to be true to ourselves because very often we just don't know who the hell we are. This is also true. It's a case of, we're looking outward for validation now mm. instead of looking inward. And part of that's got to do with the selfish thing. You can't, you, you can't be selfish. You can't think of yourself. How dare you? You know, but actually, what's the first thing they tell you on the aeroplane? It's mm -hmm. okay, but it's true. You have to take the mask yourself before you can help anyone else. 
and it doesn't matter if you're a wounded healer or not whether you know you've been there or not some people are so empathetic they don't actually have to have had or done or been through yeah. what the other person has because at some point in their in their life they've opened up to the idea that there are things there are vibrations there are energies that are going on that are so jagged and so stabbing that they are actually lethal in many cases but that somehow they can bring balance to that and that's a talent that's given to all of us because we all have that inside us the ability to balance ourselves because actually what we're doing is we are always seeking to harmonize with the universe yeah yeah and being in tune with it right yeah some kind of like an out of tune piano we need we need our strings tuning up and twitching mm. up you know? and getting used to understanding that that is the case that you have a choice mm -hmm. that is that is an anathema to people too it's totally you know i have a what yeah are you kidding me yeah how does that work mm -hmm. i don't have to blindly like sheep will follow everyone else i i can actually make my own choices mm. and uh, that is even actually abstaining from a choice is a choice right yes. and yes it is and um, and being aligned with the universe that is how we get our divine information you know that resonates with the heart and truth and goes to the spirit interaction and how our mind knows what it needs to know when it needs to know it we are meant to be channelers of the universal energy because that's like our encyclopedia up there our counselor our coach or everything and the more oh, we yeah. open up to it the more we we're guided and never alone definitely i mean carol young was most he was really jacked into the universe when it came up with the conscious the, the collective consciousness because it and i i don't know if you um watch Phoebe from Friends when she's getting her ideas and she's going, oh, 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 and it's like she's just picking them, plucking yeah. them out of the air. And yeah. actually, that is that is very much what it's like. Yeah. An idea comes sucking straight into you when you're open enough to be able to see it and to understand it. And this is why it's so good to be able to learn to be silent, learn to be yeah. still. And to allow your brain to stop doing the the chugger train of yes, I'm a machine, I'm a machine. I got to keep thinking. I got to keep thinking. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then suddenly your brain goes, um, um, I can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> and then you can't you can't think at all. Yeah. So you have to kind of draw, as we say, draw your horns in, rein yourself in, and allow yourself allow that overwhelm to just go over there and sit down and take a look at it and say, okay, what actually happened there? Did I throw a rod or have I just just run out of fuel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's have a look. Mm -hmm. And basically, the idea that we have every day when we wake up, things will be coming into our heads and then somebody will remind you that that's not your job. Mm -hmm. Somebody will say to you, what makes you think that you can do that? What are you thinking about? That's mm -hmm. a daft idea. Mm -hmm. I don't understand where you get these ideas from. And that's their fear 
that's their, ooh, I don't understand that, so it must be bad. Right. I don't understand that, so they're, they're no better than me, so how can they have better ideas than me? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's very much, to go biblical, it's very much like the prophet not being recognised in their own country. Mm-hmm. If, you've been, if you've grown up with someone and suddenly perhaps they, they might go away to university or they go away to work abroad or something happens to broaden their horizons, extend and give them a vista vision instead of a pinpoint focus to a certain extent. Yeah. And they come back and they have these different ways of looking at things. And you see that and you think, ooh, not sure if I like that. And it's like the idea that you've become addicted, almost insanely attached to the idea of this is my tiny space. Mm. I'm happy here. Are you? <laughs> An illusion. Are you happy? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're, everything you know is in this one space and for some people that's absolutely true for some people that's their that's their thing and they're totally at home in that space and they flourish there but for others they are absolutely desperate to get out yeah to let their soul fly to open their heart and sing a song that is not the one they've been hearing since they were in the womb they That's want me. to be able to, yeah. I mean, if you if you don't have people who are going to be different, we'd still be in the caves. Right, exactly. Why are we so afraid of people being different? Is it because, oh, um, they're, they're, they're different? Do they expect me to be the same? Or do they expect me to do something now? Can I do it? Should I do it? Am I capable of doing it? Do I want to do it? And I think it's not so much the person that has evolved. Uh, it is, I think, more a reflection of do we want to? Are we afraid to? Um, because people think it's stepping out of their comfort zone mm. and really it's stepping out of their fear zone, their limitation zone. Yeah. Right. And Richard, ba Richard Bandler calls it the familiarity zone. Yeah. And I think I agree quite with that. And also a friend of mine uh, once described it as sitting in a bath of custard. <laughs> you know I like it. custard. <laughs> yeah, do, do, do you want to take a bath? Oh, no. And it's like, you're sitting there and you know it's icky. Yeah. You know you really don't want to be there. But it's just so familiar. It's the same temperature mm -hmm. as you are now. There's a kind of uncomfortable comfortableness yeah. all around it. And you can see way across there, you can see there's a nice fluffy robe on the back of the door. There's a nice big fluffy towel. But between you and that robe is a very drafty room. Mm-hmm. With flagstones that might wobble and you're not entirely sure what will happen when you <laughs> take your foot out of that bath, you know, and you like pull yourself out of there. And even when you do, get yourself there and you've rubbed it all down and you're getting your, you're just about to put your robe on when you look back and there's that bath and it's still full. And what do you do? Well, some of us, instead of going out the door and leaving it where it is, we'll go back and stick our hands straight back in it again in order to try and pull the plug out. 
mm-hmm. which of course we're going to fish around for and then fall straight back in. Right. And yeah. It's 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 a it is the familiarity. Yeah. It's the I know. It's the devil I know. Yes. It's my safe place. I feel safe here. Doesn't matter that it's not good for me. Right. Yeah. I I know what's expected of me here. Exactly. Right. I don't know what those expectations are out there, but here I know what they are, whether I like them or not. Well, this is it. It's it's a case of from my own experience as far as expectation is concerned my parents were told when i was at primary school oh don't worry because by the time leslie leaves school the tills will be making the change for her so she'll be able to work behind a behind a counter at a supermarket or in a shop and that was because well it wasn't invented then but i was i've got dyscalculia i have number blindness there's a little bit of a ah a disconnect between me and maths and um, I can get great big concepts but when it comes to actual arithmetic sometimes I come up with some interesting answers <laughs> and actually the worst part of it I found was the emotional attachment that came with it yeah the shame yes yes and embarrassment and not just my own shame and embarrassment mm. but the shame and embarrassment of my parents who had to stand there and listen to a teacher a figure of authority telling them that I was actually not good enough even to be at their school. Mm. And yeah. I think that was the only time my mother got mad and decided to put her foot down and say, no, she's staying here. Mm-hmm. You're not sending her off into somewhere that, you know, she's just going to be forgotten about. She's going to stay there. But that's the interesting thing about it. I actually lived down to those expectations. Yeah. And they were not very high. And it's a case of when nothing is expected of you, to a greater extent, you tend not to do anything. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to try because nobody expects you to be successful anyway. Right. Yes. And and to be perfectly honest with you, it it became something of a like the blue touch paper stand well back situation because my inner maverick, my inner rebellious person, my little defiant person was sitting in the wings waiting. Ah, I'm going to get my chance anytime now. I'm just going to have a little word in your ear and it'll happen one day when you're bored. And of course it did. And it happened when I was 11 years old. It happened before, but the biggest one, the biggest one happened when I was 11 years old. And I was at school, and I was just getting into big school, which is getting close to the point where you get to decide what you're going to, to be when you grow up. Right. Properly. Do you have any idea at that age? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it's a case of you have to do this, and we'll see what you're like, and we'll pick your subjects for you if you don't know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And my mother had decided that actually you don't have to count to be a secretary. Right. So you'll be a secretary. And I was like, what? My two sisters are secretaries. I don't like what, what happens with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they work five days a week and then they come back and every night they're, they're like so bored and they have no, you know, they're just bored. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the secretarial class and the teacher who had had my two sisters also, so I knew already what she was like because they told me. Right. Genghis Khan in drag <laughs> in a very bad mood. Foul mood. Absolutely. What a vision. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 
tight curly perm, twin set pearls, and it was a it was one of those hairy woolly suit things. So it was probably uncomfortable, really, as well. Mm-hmm. She's probably wearing a hair shirt almost, mm-hmm. as far as that's concerned. And why I chose to do that, I don't know. I was very good at going into daydreamland mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and dreaming up my. St- and it was a beautiful day, and the sun is shining, and I'm looking outside, and I'm thinking. I don't want to be here. What am I going to do about it? So I broke another rule. I pulled the paper out, put it in the bin and took, put another one in and started typing. Now these machines were massive. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger's biceps on your pinkies by the time you'd finished making your things with these, this clanging big machine. And suddenly the sun went out and my world came to a full stop. This tweeted arm shot right across my shoulder and pulled the paper out of the roller. And every single child in that class had stopped typing. And there were 25 of us in there. And they all looked at me and every single one of them, I could hear it. You're going to get the belt. And I was like, what am I going to tell my mother? She's going to kill me. I wasn't even interested in the fact I was going to get the belt. My right. mother fed me a lot more than, mm-hmm. than this teacher did. And it felt like an eons, but she got me back in there. And she called me through. And I was rubbing my hands on my skirt, trying to, you know, to get the sweat off in case it hurt more with that. And I walked in and the belt's still hanging up in the cupboard and she's just putting the phone down. And she said to me, are you serious about this? And I thought I'd stepped into another dimension. I was waiting for the berating, I was waiting for the the shouting and bawling, and I was, you know. So I thought, I might as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I'm serious about it. I don't want to, I don't want to work as a secretary. I want to work in a zoo. Because I'd written, dear sir, please can I work in your zoo? And then that's when everything stopped. And she said, good. And again, it was like, bam, have another shock, why don't you? I good, um, okay, have you been at the sherry this morning or something? <laughs> uh, and she said, I've got you an appointment at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning with the curator of the zoo, do not let me down. I was I was too much in shock to even be slightly happy or euphoric about it right. later. And the one thing again was um, my mother. She said, "Don't worry about your mother. I will speak to her." So I and I couldn't believe that this had happened, especially just, with her. Yeah, but just as I was about to go out of the door, she said, "I'm going to tell you why now." And if you tell anyone, I will give you the belt. Noted. So she said, when I was your age, I wanted to work with animals and they wouldn't let me. Mm. Which then explained the whole Genghis Khan. Yes. Buttoned up the back, mm-hmm. growling and stomping and shouting at children and doing the whole thing because she just wasn't happy. Right. And I ended up taking myself off into a, a whole different tangent of life that my my whole life had been getting mapped before me mm-hmm. by other people's stories 
secretary, it's a good clean job, mm -hmm. it's going to be five days a week, it's good money. And anyway, you're going to meet a man, get married and have babies and you won't need a job. Right. Because this was the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you know, that just didn't happen. Excuse me, my rainbow. That's all right. See, my rainbow came out. Yes. You with me. It's from my daughter's baby shower and it just keeps popping up and it will not go. So it keeps Happy times. Yeah. So, yeah. So my story actually had begun very much earlier in my situation, of in the situation of my birth. For the first five years of my life, my mother was my mother. And then at the age of five, she suddenly became my sister because I was adopted by my grandparents. And oh. the person who was my mother and then became my sister actually went off to Ireland with another man. And, uh. you know, she was actually pregnant again. She married this one, so that was fine. But it was a case of that that actually became my bundle to carry. Mm. Because... It didn't matter that I was too young to even accept the fact that it had happened or understand what was going on. That part's been kind of blocked out to a certain extent. And it was a case of everyone else in the village knew what was going on. Mm. So I got to carry the bundle of my mother's shame. Yeah. And I thought, oh well. It must be mine because I wouldn't be given it if it wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. And so you see, when amazing. we talk about choice, you had no choice in the matter. <laughs> the only I, choice you I, had is what you were going to do with it. I was too young to make an informed consent. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's the case because even at that, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was just a case of my my grandmother who was looking after me and had adopted me at this point was so busy thinking about what people would think of her and about how she'd been bringing up her children and the shame and the how bad it was and how how was she going to see that and every day seeing me the big blot on the copybook yeah you know and it was a case of it's your fault um, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> and it's actually a choice of yours to take it that way. Right. And yeah. a choice is a decision, and a decision is a choice. Yeah. And all has consequences. And everything has consequences. Mm -hmm. Fortunately for me, the consequences of that were that I got very much left alone to my own devices a lot. Because my, my parents were a lot older than me. Right. And I get shunted off to my my sister down south because um, mm -hmm. she came back and lived in England. But um, I used to get shunted off to my sister every summer. So I got to have two personas. Mm -hmm. And in each one, I still wanted to run away. And I never knew why I had such itchy feet. For a long time, I didn't know why I had such itchy feet. And then I discovered that my biological father is a gypsy. Ah, right. Yeah. And it was it was a case of, wow. Well, there you go. Yep, explains. That's a that's a great part of the story. That is, what can I you know? And I went back and thinking about what was in me 
that made me do that was quite possibly the influence of that culture, mm -hmm. the influence of that blood. But at the same time, it, being left the way that I was left opened up a vista for me of if I was doing it under the radar, nobody was going to stop me. Right. So I read. I read stories. I read fairy tales. I would go to the, the library and it had a wall of books on fairy tales from countries that don't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and this empowered me. And then I got this big magazine called Tell Me Why. And it did tell me why. And it, it went from the dinosaurs, the big bang, the dinosaurs right away through to where we are or where we were in the 60s and the early 70s. But through all that was still this burden that you walk with. Mm -hmm. And... Also, there were some other things going on where I was actually able to see things that other people didn't see. Mm -hmm. And I had a little bit of a communication with animals thing going on. And hence, ending up at the zoo. Mm -hmm. And I managed to hide from people. It was like the ugly duckling situation, one of my favourites again. Mm -hmm. But it, it was, it was like the ugly duckling hiding away from the people. Because Where the they, animals got you anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a case of, oh, I'm safe here. Yes. I like it here because they don't judge me. They don't do this. Nope. And I can, I can be with them and it's comfortable. Mm. It's actually harmonious to be here. Mm -hmm. And that was nice. It made my heart sing. My door towards the zoo my heart opened my feet got lighter and i could even ride the wind there if i wanted to mm -hmm. which is something else that i learned later was something that other people couldn't do but this was it my life was full of people who were so burdened with negativity right. expectation again right dictation again and the the actual trying in vain to live either down or up mm -hmm. to very, very fixed expectations of duty and demands and the guilt complexes that were put on them for various things. And, you know, my parents grew up, my mother particularly grew up really hard. And, and my, my grandfather was very quick with his hands, it seems. And I got on great with my grandfather, you know. But when my mum was a little girl, Seemingly, he was he would he would come back on a, a Friday night from the mm -hmm. pub, and there would be a, a widespread go, and that that kind of atmosphere is not going to be one that nurtures a positive no. mindset. No. No. Constantly and living we, in the residual of fear, right? Yeah, and this is it. Most of the time, it's the fear factor. Yeah. And yet understanding how bullies and how things work my grandfather was possibly one of the most insecure men out there right well that's generally where it comes from right and he'd done everything that he could and he was the thing was he was a bare knuckle fighter from waterford in ireland so it was the first thing he knew to do when he couldn't vocalize what it right. was that he wanted he used his fists yes not an excuse, 
just a fact. That's all he knew how. That's he couldn't he express him. Hadn't been taught how to express himself in any other way. No. And now we've got this opportunity at the moment, particularly, where the earth is taking a breath. Yeah. From us, taking a rest from us to a certain extent. As much as it can, because there's still things going on that shouldn't be going on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's taking a breath. And yet now we are finding, particularly when we are isolated, because we are pack animals. Yep. We do like our packs. And it's now we're understanding that some of our leaders, mm -hmm. expectations of the people who put them there, are that they can poke the bear with fear. And, and we know that's not very productive, is it? It's not. No, you no, just it's get not creative. Fear. It's not productive. Yeah. And you and you get you get a population that are subdued. Yes. And not doing what they could be doing, where we are, as humans, adaptable. Mm -hmm. We have adaptability built in. It's part of our factory default. Yep. And it's the, it's how we survive. It's how we we thrive. Mm -hmm. It's how we got to be the the largest predator on the planet basically mm -hmm. apart from now we have a bigger one that's the smallest thing on earth a virus right true so yes the unseen the unseen however it's our reaction to this mm -hmm. it's viruses and bacteria is particularly nat nasty they are all still natural yes even when they've been monkeyed around with mm -hmm. They're still of a natural basis, first point, focus. Now, what we do is we have then the choice. Do we, do we tell a story of fear and anxiety and pain and worry about going out into the future, about what's going to happen when it all goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Or do we sit with this and say, okay, these are the consequences of, how do I deal with that? And how do I keep myself balanced? That's the key, isn't it? So that I can balance out everything else. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to balancing things, you can take a room of chaos, absolute mind blowing chaos. However, when you have someone who is balanced sitting in the middle of it or just walking in the door, it's amazing how that chaos will start to dissipate. Mm -hmm. Or become productive to... or orderly, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. I, granted, if it's a fight in a pub, it's less likely to, to, to be right there and then. But on the grand scale of things, when someone who come, comes into a, a and it's like anything, I saw something the other day there and it was it was Louis Theroux and he was discussing something, something with someone who was getting really angry with him and very frustrated and he was just standing there just very calmly repeating his question and the person that was against him that was, was just, it was like he was Teflon. Yes. He was not moving 
and they had nothing to do but barge at him, throw insults at him, try to make him fearful. And when that wasn't working, they had to go away. That is actually something my mum used to say to me because I was bullied a lot because I was a sickly child. And she said, let them come at you. Uh, pretend to be doing something else and then turn around to them and say, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? I, I didn't hear. Mm. And to let them know that they couldn't get, didn't matter what was going on inside of you, your stomach's doing leaps of turmoil, right? But your whole thing is, I'm not feeding that, I'm not responding to that. And it frustrates the hell out of them because they didn't get your goat, right? So... Yes. You're not giving that response back, which is very hard not to do because that's what we want to do, defend ourselves or, you know, the injustice of it or how dare you, blah, 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 blah. Um, we want to do that. But if we are not responsive whatsoever, then where is the fight? And a lot of it has got to do with this outward validation that we were talking about yeah. earlier. I have to be seen to be powerful, otherwise nobody will respect me. Right. It's not even a case of liking. It's a case of I want respect and I can only get that through being powerful over other people or other things. Yeah, which we know is a sign of insecurity. Yeah, it's a sign right. of having no power whatsoever. Right. That which we seek is that which we don't have. Mm -hmm. Or we feel we don't have it. And it's out of control inside us and we don't quite know where the button is to mm -hmm. switch it off or switch it on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I have I've been, often been heard to say that at one point we turned on a light and put ourselves right into the dark. Mm -hmm. That is very, very true. And we became afraid of the dark. You know, yeah. instead of becoming the light in the dark, you know, we, we got thrown into the dark and then it's like, I'm blind, I'm blind. I can't see. But how do you feel? yeah right you can touch and see you you know the kinesthetic touch and feel you know we're, we're so you talked uh, earlier about you know the head the conditioning i say that one part of our brain is the mechanical it's what runs the body the other part is programming and that programming is not just your lifetime your ancestral dna past life um, patterns that are there and we have to look at this programming and go does it serve me now does it serve me in the now? And how much of this program is is something I just need to delete and reprogram? Or how much of this programming can be readjusted and maybe go with us? And whose programming is it anyway? Yeah. I mean, when I was a vet nurse, we used to have work experience children in, round about the age of 14 onwards. And I made the stipulation that I didn't want anybody to be there who wasn't wanting to go into the business. Mm -hmm. wasn't wanting to be a vet nurse or a vet and this this young lady came in and I used to interview them just to make them see what it would feel like and for me to get a good idea of what I was going to be getting in the, in my in my practice with me to be responsible for and this young lady came in at one point and our teacher came with her which was unusual and um, I was speaking to her and she said oh I want to I want to be a vet nurse. And I said, all right then. I said, don't you want to be a vet? She said, I can't be a vet. I said, why not? She said, I'm not clever enough. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, who told you that? 
I said, you know, if there's something that you really, really want to do, yeah. there are ways around these things because everybody's clever in different ways. Yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of how you can be taught, not what you can't learn. Yes, 100%. So I, I, went, I went out there and she went off and I said to her, I said, so try, aim for that because if you aim for the stars, you yeah. might land on the moon. Right. It's still a thousand miles away from where you thought you could be. Right. And you are, you are always more than you think you are. Always. always more capable than you think you are. Always. Because you have to get out of your own way. And the teacher came in to me and she said, I wish you hadn't told her that. There's no way that she can do that. I said, is it you that tells her this? A teacher who's supposed to inspire to aspire. Mm. I, said, I, had teachers, I said, I had teachers like you. And as I said earlier in this program, they told me and my parents that I wouldn't even be able to work behind a shop counter without help. Mm-hmm. And I've gone all the way to Monaco and back again as a head nurse at veterinary practice. And I actually count when I'm doing it because the shame's not there anymore. Right. Imposed shame, imposed yeah. limitations. And I said to her, you, your job is to encourage these kids. Your job is to inspire them. Mm-hmm. Not give them your judgment as to what they may or may not be capable of in the future. Or impose your own limitations on them. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went to university when I was 50. And I went because, as an act of defiance, actually, because it was a case of, oh, tell me I'm never going to get to university. Well, it might have taken me a while, but mm-hmm. here I am. And I was doing statistics in psychology. And me, who can't count. Right. And I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to have to go. You see? Mm-hmm. Conditioning. This is exactly. Going to be bad. I'm going to have to go and get, but I'm going to have to go and get some help. And I took it and I, and I took my little book and I went to this and it was a little um, Chinese PhD student person. And I said to him, he said, what can I help you with? I said, this, I, I, this, I can't figure this out. I, I, I don't work this. It doesn't work for me. And I have statistics for two years and I need to, I need to be able to do this. And he said, but you can't do this. Uh, no, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. And I'm thinking to myself, are we having a communication problem here? <laughs> and then I thought, so I opened up the book and there was an equation there and I said, and this is where I actually hit myself on the head with the inspiration stick. I said, this here, this language I don't understand. And it was then it just went, bam. You love language. You mm-hmm. adore words. You like to speak different languages. This is a language. Yeah. See it that way. Mm-hmm learn it that way and he took me through one by one and the girl who couldn't even get an arithmetic O level ended up doing percentiles within a week you took away your own limitations or the limitations that were imposed upon you yeah because through through the training that i've had in nlp particularly but also the shamanic training it's a case of 
my my mind now understands the inroads how to catch me out when I'm saying something yes that's less than totally positive about my experience or my capabilities yeah yeah so that, that I completely understand I'm out of 12 years of schooling, I completed six, you know, I'm not in consecutively, but I was always off school, especially during the winters as a sickly child. So at home in bed and I'll go back to school and they'll think oh, I'm a new kid because they haven't seen me in so long, which meant I was way, way behind. At 16, I exempted myself from school because I was so far behind and I went, I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to be academic. What else can I do? But I've always been an adventurer. And at 16, I'm running somebody's shop. And then I go into other places and run p departments. And it's, it's, I never ex went in to do those jobs. I just seemed to fall into those jobs because I had a natural leadership about me. And, and I was still kind of feeling I'll never get anywhere because I'm not academic. But in the meantime, I was going somewhere, <laughs> you know, just through experience. And that's the thing is um, we equate the academic structure with intelligence and it's it's totally different i was actually a very intelligent person who could not be taught through the academics dyslexia which i only found out when i was 21 being away from school so much right and no homeschooling or catching up or anything like that and like you there were certain things that didn't make sense to me once they made sense no problem but they didn't make sense to me the way they were presented. And I remember having an argument with a teacher. She was teaching vocational guidance and she made a statement. And I said, actually, that's wrong. I actually went through that experience two days ago. Da, 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 and I can't even remember what it is now. And she said, no, you are wrong. It is this way. And I said, but I went through the experience. Exactly what you're talking about. Go to the principal's office went to the principal's office, she heard the teacher's argument, she heard my argument, and she said to the teacher, but she went through the experience, why didn't you honor that? I'm the teacher, so what I say is goes. And the headmistress turned around to me and said, you do not have to attend her classes anymore. Mm. And I didn't. That's, a, that, that's an amazing head teacher. Yes. And I, I must admit, there, there's been so many teachers, and I, I believe that actually what what happened to me and happened to thousands upon thousands if not millions of children across the way is that they are taught a way to teach yes and many of them don't look outside the boundaries of that teaching nope it's getting a little bit different now i suspect but there are still a lot of limitations put on children because it may be their social standing it may be you know the, the parents' expectations and what school they put themselves put them into. But yeah, I had I had a wonderful um, educator on the other day. She's a teacher and she's written some wonderful books. But what she has on the board there is um, an emotion face, and the kids can come in and pick the emotion they're in today. So mm. she knows, oh, they're sad today, or they're excited today, or they're this, and they can change the emotion through the day. But it gives her an indication. And then it also opens up, why are you sad today? You know, mm. why are you angry today? What's going on? And that is giving kids permission to speak, to express themselves, to, to speak to how they're feeling. Whereas we are 
teaching children to listen to what I say, do as I tell you, do not think outside of the boundaries of what I tell you. And then we expect them to be functional adults later on. Yeah, we sew them up in this cloth. Yeah. We sew them up in this suit of limitations. Yeah. So this is the thing, though. We can unpick it. Yes, we can. We, we can, can remodel that outfit. We can actually <laughs> take it up, out. We can put it in the recycle bin and we can take some new stuff and start a loom and we can make our own wool. We can actually knit ourselves a new suit. We yes. can sew ourselves a new suit. We can weave ourselves a new suit. In any colour we want. But it's still a suit. Yes. And what we have to do then is we have to realise that what we want is a garment that's going to grow with us, beyond us, all the time. Yes. So that we can walk into it, we can go farther. And in going farther, we can experience the highs and lows, but not take it too hard. Yeah. Not wear it like a, like a, a hair shirt for the rest of our lives. We have to be able to leave behind that which does not serve us mm -hmm. in such a way. And I don't mean just drop everything and... People tend to take these things literally. I know. <laughs> you know, and it's it's an in, it's an interesting thing. When we say leave behind that which does not serve you, it's a case of how long is it going to take you before you realise that there's a different way? Mm -hmm. How long is it going to take? Do you need a piano to drop on your head? <laughs> the cosmic two by four. Yeah, <laughs> we've discussed this before. I mean, basically, the universe telling me yep. there's been what two cars, a bus, an elephant, and a couple of horses, not to mention a bite with cancer. Mm -hmm. However, you know, these are all near death experience situations going on. Right. However, I didn't get it at first. Yes. And so I got another one. Exactly. And then another one. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it was a case of. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing and there might be something that I could do over here. Yeah. And it was amazing to me that up until the point where I got to be a head nurse in this practice and everything was going all right, up to that point, I'd really more or less fallen into every job. Doors had been opened mm -hmm. for me. It was the right way to go. I was in my ugly duckling lake. I hadn't yet become my swan. And it was actually there that I got my first swan feather. Mm -hmm. And I got my dog. I got sent a dog. Strangely enough, as a vet nurse, it's an occupational hazard. Mm -hmm. You're going to end up with a puppy at one point, or, or a three-legged or you know, cat, dog, a, a beakless parrot, something like that is going to happen. And this girl came in one day with this little puppy stuffed up her jumper and put him on the, the dental table. Unfortunately, it was the day the boss was actually working in the morning and he was in a hurry because he had to go and get an appointment at 12 o'clock. And here's this little wormy, pot-bellied little puppy thing with cigarette burns all over him. Oh. And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, this boy needs a home. And I said, no. I, I'm in here like 80 hours a week. I, can, I can't raise a puppy. That's, that wouldn't be fair. And all the time I'm talking, he's like... I know. But I chose you. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and then, of course, he chose his own name. Because mm -hmm. he, 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 he paid attention when I said Fergus. And he, said, and he kind of looked at me and I went, oh, 
Not Tosca. <laughs> not Jack. Not see. No. Fergus. Okay, Fergus it is. <laughs> and I said, I'll I'll look after him. I'll foster him for a couple of weeks until you find something for him. I had him for nine years, <laughs> and till till we found that he'd actually had cancer, had lymphoma, and uh, so. But in doing that, he took me out on my lake. Mm-hmm. He took me out into the big wide world. Yes. Where I met other people mm-hmm. who walked their dogs. Mm-hmm. And then I actually went and got my tarot cards read. And she told me, you're going to leave what you're doing. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I said, I don't think so. Because basically, I'm going to be found rigor mortis with a squeegee in one hand and a thermometer off a dog's bum with the other <laughs> Because I don't, I don't, and this is this is the weaving of the cloth. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself doing anything else ever. And within two years, I was out of there. And I found myself walking up a street in Glastonbury. And there was an A-frame with something that I had already been told on it. Because one day I'd been talking to one of the receptionists about runes. And she said, I'll bring them in. So she did. And she said, pull out a couple of there. And I did. And there was tear. And she said, looked at me and she said, you're a warrior in your heart. Mm -hmm. I thought, I'll take that. And from that time, it was about five years or so. I'm in Glastonbury. Warrior in the heart. Shamanic training. That'll be for me then. No pianos necessary. (laughs) And that's when everything started to change. Mm -hmm. And... That's when I went in for the NLP training and I started to learn about how, what we say to each other, but mm-hmm. also particularly what we say to ourselves is so damning Yeah. and can be so debilitating. And I discovered the opponent who lives below the imposter syndrome, who lives in a secret, silent clearing in a wee forest that's far, far away inside you so deep inside you that you can't see them normally no but in the in the quietest times in between breaths you'll hear them what makes you think you can do that mm-hmm. and it will be the voice of someone who bullied you or yep. who did who defamed you or threw insults at you denied you denied mm. you who had so little feeling of respect for you mm-hmm. that made you feel like an ugly duckling. Right. Not wanted, not, you know, whichever one it is. And I sat there and I said, who the hell is that? Because you don't have any place near me at all. And I made that opponent my ally. I made it my sounding board mm-hmm. and I take it out sometimes and being shamanically inclined, I have a campfire situation going on and I'll sit this opponent next to me on the campfire and we'll have a discussion and I'll say something like, going on this podcast in Canada, a couple of days time, what do you want to do that for? You're in Scotland? think they're gonna care well actually we're global now did you not know 
Are you not paying attention? This is something that we have a voice and there's a reason for this that's going on and we have the media and the medium to use it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not a lot I can say about that, is there? Go ahead and see what happens. Right then. And here I am. Yep. So it's a way of actually saying, you're not my enemy. You're just a part of me that's still in fear. Yeah, and, and it's it's your doubt. And sometimes we just have to face it and say, okay, well, what's your argument? Is this yeah, it, a past doubt? Or mm-hmm. is, are you feeling doubtful about something? Is Should you pause for the moment and reflect? Is this a past voice coming, telling me I can't do it? Or is this a pause saying, okay, yeah, you could do it, but maybe you should do it a different way? Yeah. And the interesting thing is that you always know it's the it's the, the the opponent because it has the voices of those who would be putting you down. Right. Whereas the voice of your guardian spirit, of your sovereign self, is the one who says, You can do this. Yes. And you will do this. Yes. Yeah, the two sides of you, I always say, you know, the Yeah, yeah it's a, and I've had many <laughs> altercation with my two sides because my one side the human side as I call it the humanoid um, was brought up with no expectations you know like she didn't finish school she doesn't have an education uh, she has dyslexia um, she's not very bright she's never going to go very far let's just hope she makes a good marriage right and and I didn't and whatever I did succeed in it wasn't in a realm they understood anyway so therefore it couldn't be valid and then the other side of me going but how do you know if you can't do it until you've tried doing it Mm. let's just do it and see right so that is the side that's always governed me but I had to drag the other side along with me until eventually it's saying like really you're pulling me down and I cannot take this negativity anymore yeah, I mean, it, it's a case of we've learned that fear, we've learned that doubt. Yeah. We we heard it from somewhere else. Yes. And we, we took it on board and we started to wear it like our own right. new shoes. Yep. You know, we, we, even wore, we even wore them in to ourselves to make them comfortable and fit our own feet. Yep. And, and to, to sit there like a heavy stone in our hearts sometimes. Yep. And actually... When you let it go and you put it down and you say, right, that's not mine. Just, it's not mine. Right. What is mine? Right. I want to discover what mine is. Who am I? (laughs) It's not even who am I. It's where am I? Mm -hmm. What lies before me? What wonders? What is it? What direction do I go? Mm. And as Alice in Wonderland, a very shamanic book will tell you, Yes. if you don't know, it doesn't matter what road you take. Right. And as Castaneda would tell you, as long as you take the path that's got heart in it. Yeah. Because if it doesn't have heart, it's not worth your shoe leather. No. No. And if if you take that because you think it has heart, and you keep going and then you find out, oh, do you know what? It really isn't. It was it was a, a fair facsimile of, but it's not quite. There is no shame in stopping. In fact, it's one of the bravest things you can do. Yeah. It's say, do you know what? I've given it a good shot. This isn't working. 
I'm going to go back and try another route. Yes, that's just simply called redirection. I don't believe in failure. Like if you fall on your bum, you get back up. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try something different. That is just life's lessons, redirection, gathering information. I feel failure is when you give up and, and do not ever attempt to try. You give in. And I'm not a given inner. You know, for me, it's like, okay, that didn't work. There's got to be another avenue. All right, I wasn't meant to do that, but what was I meant to learn from it? How do I take it forward on another journey? And it's having some wonderment and excitement about life, because if you can't be excited about living, why are you living? How can you give it your best? Well, we're here because we're, we're living in this situation where we can get to feel things we can get to experience things where the part of us that's non-flesh and bone and blood, the spiritual part of us, the energetic part of us, mm -hmm. is sitting there going, oh, that's what that's like. Mm -hmm. Wow, I wonder if we could do that. Yeah. And, and oh, that's what that's like. But actually, this is where it comes down to it. We are more than the sum of our parts. Yes. And we are much more. And as soon as we stop compartmentalizing ourselves from mind, body, and spirit, that actually spirit is something way woo-woo over there. Yeah, yeah. And your mind is the, that's the, the golden egg at the moment for a lot of people. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, if we play with this and we do that and we take this out of here and we put that there, and then there's the body. And you've heard me say it before, Sarah, that the surgeons can say when they come out from the operation that the operation was a complete success but unfortunately the patient died yeah because they were only working on the machinery yes they didn't take into account the influence of the mind and right even less or oh, the heart of the soul mm -hmm. the spirit and the energy of yeah it. because if there's if someone goes in doesn't matter if you're the best surgeon in the world if someone goes onto that table and they're afraid and they think they're going to die there's a good chance they will and many, many people die from diagnosis. Yes. You know, you know it's, uh, you know, you, oh, you have cancer. Uh, and instead of, okay, I've got cancer. Why have I got cancer? What can I do about it? What can heal me? I'm going to, you know, take charge of this. I'm going to be that warrior. Uh, they go, oh, I have cancer. This is the end. And that's it. That, they die it, way before, you know, they're meant to. But it's not, it's not even just the person who's, who's got it that does that. Yeah. And all the people around them. It's all the people around them who yes. are suddenly, you know, oh, this is what I would feel and what I would do if yeah. I got that diagnosis. And, you know, it's now one in two. Imposing, imposing, imposing. It's imposing and judging. Yeah. yeah. Also, oh, they're never going to be able to handle that. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's very much is a case of, now I've got two instances here and one of them's with an animal. But for me, I went into and I, I said to my husband, I said, we're not telling a lot of people about this. We're only telling the people who can handle it are not going to put me in a wooden overcoat before the sentence is finished. Right, exactly. And so we, we only told the people who were absolutely necessary. However, I went into a doctor's office to have some, because I ended up with di type 2 diabetes after the chemo. Um, and I had to go in and get some advice from a nurse. And when I said to her what it was for, she went, oh, dear. Mm. And I went out to the doctor and I said, I don't ever want to see that woman again. She she really lowered my 
energy in there. Feeding the disease and not the solution. Feed the disease. Mm. And it was a case of something that I realised with Gussie, my, with Fergus, my dog. Like I say, he, he had lymphoma. And he went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Quite happily, quite happily, quite happily. And I had been off on holiday at one point with him. And he came up. And it's one of those things that when you're in that profession, your fingers become your eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just stroking him and suddenly I felt these lumps. And they were in the wrong place. And I looked at him and I said to him, is there something you want to tell me? And he kind of looked at me. And everything was okay until I took him back to work. And I said to one of the the vets, I have to x-ray Fergus. There's something going on. As soon as he got that x-ray, that was when that dog went downhill. Mm. Because that was when everybody knew what was going on with him. And he on an energetic level, knew that that was happening. And it was almost as if it was a relief for him. I don't have to be, I don't have to be pretending I'm perfectly healthy anymore. Right. You know? And he came into my life at the right time and he left my life in his time mm-hmm. that was right for him. And so, he was my way out of the darkness of that lake. He mm-hmm. was the spring to my winter yeah. that was spent in that lake. And basically, since then, I've been able to travel so many different places. I mean, in 2019, I went to Tibet, which I'd wanted to do since I was six years old, because when I was about five or six, round about the time when I was making the transition from sister to daughter. Mm-hmm. I had a visitation in my room and I was woken up to see it. And I've since discovered that that's one of the signs that you're going to walk a shamanic path. Mm. Yeah, for me, I used to play with dead people. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I There were a lot of um, spirits in my life. Yeah. Well, why can't you see them? I mean, she's sitting right there, you know, my mum yeah. looking at me, you know. So, But actually, I mean, in the years that, you know, I was bed bound and kind of left alone a lot, you know, those entities is what kept me going. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are quite funny. Yes. Yeah, they have a great sense of humour because they yeah. get bored. Nobody can see them. That's no fun. You know, and off I would travel into different dimensions and not even realize I was doing it, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Understanding. When I went to go to get my cards read and the woman said to me, you should be doing this because you're doing it anyway. You need to know what to call it and how to actually master it. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, you're doing all things as well that you're going to find out about. And I was like, what? And she said, you'll see. And it was the shamanic journeying. Mm. It was being able to take myself off on a sunbeam yes, and go into another place, actually ride that into another place, be like a moat of dust dancing inside a sunbeam. Yeah. You know, and it's a learning experience, but it's one of those things that we all have the capacity to yes, do. Yes, we do. It's just yeah. that some people have told us that we can't. No, we they've, they've shut us. They've shut us all down, you know. Because let's let's face it, um, 
in a religion they want you uh, want control over you so they keep you in fear heaven and hell right and you can't speak to god unless it's through them and where we have a direct channel to source whatever you wish to call it um teachers and governments want to keep people in control which how do you keep them in control you dumb them down and you keep them in fear right yeah. so when you want to break away from that mold and say this 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 platform does not fit me i cannot fit in it and you break away course then you are a rebel right so uh it, but it's necessary and i think what we're seeing now is the walls are coming down and more and more people are realizing there aren't any boxes all these boxes that you've been put in all these labels that you've been having all this dictation of what you should be it's like no i am not that person i do not need to adhere to this world um i realize there there are no um borders there's boundaries but no borders and it's it's lovely to see people awaking into that but the soul cannot speak to a closed heart and one no. of the first things we have to do is open our heart and that's one of the things that we have the difficulty with because generally we feel injured in the heart because mm -hmm. we weren't allowed to be ourselves um and to explore and to just be and so we've closed our heart off because it was so painful if we have the courage and the strength to open our heart up again our source and divine soul will speak to us and guide us forward lift up our spirit and again the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it and it's one of those things that basically when we're doing that we have to be able to understand that there are going to be some people who are still mm -hmm. cast adrift and don't quite know where to go because they have no idea because they've always been taught that the kind of things that we're speaking about just now are totally wrong. Yes. They're totally, you know, it's not nice, it's nasty, it's bad, it's yes. evil, it's this, that, the other. And actually the most evil thing is to amputate a spirit. Oh God. I mean, Northern Lights, the golden compass is, you know, one of my favorite books because it talks of, you know, the soul, is in the animal that the child gets to speak to and it and it becomes mm. a set animal when when the child reaches puberty until then it's constantly changing and it's like you're always speaking to your consciousness you're always speaking with your soul and it's like i was so when i read this and i thought oh i wish i had that and of course where's the evil the evil is them severing that animal that soul from the person and but we do it to ourselves we shut yep. down our own soul and that's because we're not taught to actually immerse ourselves in the idea of it no we're taught that the soul is something that you know we have no right because we are sinners yes we, how can we touch our, our own souls we don't it doesn't belong to us to play with right and, and that we need to suffer yeah. And, and that, that only we can only be righteous if we suffer the pain and the anguish of life. What? <laughs> Who wrote that enough. one? <laughs> I think we actually suffer enough. I think so. I think Basically. so. I think it's a case of understanding the idea of the word suffer. I mean, in the Bible, Christ said, suffer the little children to come unto me. He didn't mean beat them to a pulp. Yeah. In order to take them, he meant allow them. So in that in that way, the word suffer means to allow. Mm -hmm. And I think that that should be looked at as far as suffering is concerned, is allowing yourself 
to reach your soul. And psychology means soul speak. Yeah. And interestingly, it's also a science. Mm-hmm. But they're still not talking to each other. No. The soul and the speaker are still not speaking to each other quite yeah. yet. They're not on. They're not in the, speaking the same language. Yeah, it's getting there. It's, it's getting, getting there. It is getting it is. there. I think yeah. that what we've got to do is do it one at a time, one small thing at a time. Take yeah. a moment. Take a break. Look at where you are, and if it's getting to overwhelm, if it's getting to the stage where you want to pull your skin off or whatever, just take a moment. And the best thing that you've got on your side is your breath. Oh boy, yeah. When we breathe, we inspire. We take in spirit. Mm-hmm. Inspiritus, that is inspiring. When we exhale, we expire. Mm-hmm. We let the spirit out. So we're taking one in and we're letting one out. And it's a case of that exchange of energy is allowing the machine to yeah. actually fire itself up and to go. But what it also does is it regulates the brain mm. and it allows the brain waves to change. And when you actually breathe, you are making your cortisol, your oxytocin, your your GABA and dopamine, you're, they're all sitting there waiting for the experience. And we have the ability, because we have this brain, we have these chemicals inside of us. We don't need drugs to do this. Nobody needs drugs to do it. We have ample resources within ourselves to do this, to actually get to the source. When we experience it once, and sometimes people will have done it and not know how to do it again, because they did it by accident. Right. And they feel they have to think it rather than feel it. But what we have to do is we have to get this part of our brain to go to the back of the bus and allow yes. your sovereign self, allow the oversoul to actually say, yeah. hello, would you like to speak to me? Come and see me now. Yeah. And it's the big the word is allow, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's it's um, one I use a great deal because um, we block so much because we do not allow ourselves to have the experience. Well, I don't know what it's going to be like. Can you give me a map? Is there a manual on it? No. You know, your life experience goes into your toolkit and you are meant to allow yourself to put one foot in front of the other with a sense of adventure, a sense of exploration, discovery. And your toolkit will, you know, come out as you need it. But if we're trying to do everything like paint by numbers, you know, need to have the manual in front of us, we are missing out on the true experience of what we're here to have and to become. We have right now the opportunity to do things differently now. Oh boy, and we should. The earth is taking a breath. Yes. The earth is showing us the refreshing, the rebooting, the reviving of a breath. And it is telling us you are a physical manifestation of the universe. Mm-hmm. You are every part of me. I am every part of you. There's an Australian song, um, The Walking Tree. I breathe in what you breathe out, you breathe in what I breathe out. And if that's chaos, that's what you're going to get. If it's peace and harmony, 
that's what you're going to get. And it's that sigh. Mm -hmm. Decompress. Allow the whole shenanigans that are going on outside to go on. Control what you can control. And that's your breathing. Yes. Yes, centering yourself. Being, you know, at it, it taking that breath it aligns your chakras it opens you up completely you know opening up to that wonderful divine wisdom there's a sense of peace about it but it's also stepping into flow stepping into rhythm and when we step into that beautiful rhythm that lovely frequency that lovely wavelength of it we we can dance such a beautiful dance mm -hmm. and you know it's okay sometimes it's the cha-cha-cha sometimes the tango sometimes it's the soft waltz but it's going again in that rhythm and in that flow our blood our oxygen our waters our air all need to be in flow we need to be in flow and they flow naturally around our bodies yes everything is a is a physical manifestation of and representation of everything that needs to happen. When we get when we get ill, everything around us gets ill. Mm -hmm. In our bodies, it's an energetic thing that our bodies are getting ill, and we can feel it happening. It's like the old Arthurian legend in the Grail King. Who who does the Grail serve? And it's the king, the Grail King, who is dying but can't drink of his own grail until a question is asked. And the question is, who does the grail serve? It's as simple as that. We don't have to overcomplicate things. I, oh, but we love to. We but like we to highfalutate everything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you say one thing and someone else says, but that's not right because yes. you have to do it this way or that's never going to work. That may well be the case for you, but it's horses for courses. Mm -hmm. what, I, what I use may not be for everyone else but there will be many people who will come and who will benefit from the kind of things that i do exactly that i can teach and the one thing that i would teach everybody is to say learning to breathe is your first step mm -hmm. it's the first smallest step understanding that by changing your breathing from here up to diaphragm down will make such a difference it's peace it's clarity it's opening up it's being able to receive um it's that pause of thought uh, and it allows you know your your soul heart and spirit with its own divine intellect to have a voice because the head can be so overpowering mm -hmm. and if we're only listening to the head all the time which is programming it's a different form of intellect and we're not engaging our heart, soul and spirit and that divine intellect, we're not going to have the wisdom to understand how to use the knowledge. And there's a whole plethora of knowledge out there. Oh, gosh. Actually can be self-taught. Yes. We, and this is, this is the joy of being a seeker of knowledge mm -hmm. is that you will find stuff and it's like, I say to people who come for shamanic work, and it's a case of sometimes the coat doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's like the coats that my mother used to buy me when I was going to school when I was a very little girl. She'd buy one two sizes too big so I could grow into it. Right. Might not fit just now, 
but give yourself a little time to grow and it may well fit really snugly afterwards. It's like, um, you know, you put on an outfit and you just don't quite know because it's different. You haven't worn this tile before. And the next thing you know, it becomes your favorite outfit yeah. until you're willing to try on another one. It's going back to familiarity. We want to feel comfortable and familiar in something but not familiar to the point where it stops us from moving forward just yeah. comfortable enough to be able to have the confidence to move forward it's even it's even to the state where it's in such alignment and such harmony mm -hmm. with us that it's like our own skin yeah we don't even feel it when we're wearing it we are so in tune yeah. with it and so in that dance with it that we're in what athletes would call the zone. Yes, yeah. There is no barrier, there is there is no skin, there is no story, there is no space, there is no time, there just is. Mm -hmm. And when we get that, it's something that's so moorish. It's just so exciting and you just want to keep doing it. And yet we did it when we were children. Then we got our potty training and got trained right out of it. Right. Well, there certainly is time for change, isn't it? And, you know, you know, a lot of people are pointing, they think, yeah, but that's got to change and that's got to change and that's got to change. But you've got to realize you need to be the change to bring about the change. So if you don't like what's going on out there, it's a reflection of what's going on within here. Yeah. And so you need to change within here and then atmospherically you will have that vibration that can change things around you. The one thing that you can definitely change is what's going on with yourself. Exactly. That's the only thing that you really have control and by, of. <laughs> and by, doing, by doing so, you affect, therefore, your immediate environment, which yeah. then changes, which changes the next part, which changes it, and it becomes a snowball effect. Exactly. The rhythm, the, the dance, you know, it, it just becomes something quite natural until until there is another change and involvement that needs to happen, you know, and we're always in growth. It isn't about the destination. No. You have different chapters. You bring a chapter to an end and that's the conclusion of that chapter. What's the next chapter going to be? And you can wear out many pairs of shoes on the journey. Yes, exactly. You can try on stacks of different types of clothing you know i know for me i'm the gypsy in me give me the clothes that flow colorful and flow and that move with me in a sense of rhythm and like wind right that's what i love i don't like constraint and restrictive type clothing because it feels like a straight jacket and it's just right down to our clothing the color that we wear because color is so important it can change your psyche the, even the fabric that you wear can change the way you feel and connect to things everything has a reason and when you start putting those reasons together now you've got a symphony you've got an orchestra that's ready to play and like let it loose let it be we all have a voice to sing with we do we all have music to dance to absolutely and get with can, it. Yeah. Get with the tune. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first, we, shamanically, drums, we are noisy buggers. I know we are. Yep. But the first drum that you you will ever hear is the drumbeat of your mother's heart. Mm -hmm. And then your own takes over and joins in. And what do we look for in life? We look for that, that beat of the heart 
in the land and 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 all that we do we're constantly looking for that beat because that beat is that constant rhythm from which we can create other sounds other songs to go with but it's always when you're looking it's the bass or it's the drums that sets the beat the heart sets the beat right ignite with that beat go with that rhythm let you your toes start dapping and let your voice free yeah yeah <sighs> we have a lot of work ahead of us but it doesn't have to be hard you know we're going to go through some challenges and obstacles where you think gosh i'm not sure i'm getting this okay turn it around and look at it from a different angle or hear it from a different voice and then it'd be oh okay okay now i get it it's not you know one person is going to be your all one person is going to help you hear and then you're ready to hear another person over here. And but that's that's um that's the wonderful journey of life of the people that you meet along the way that become your light bulb moment, that become try this skill, try this tool, put this in your backpack. And you know, when you need it, you know it's there. And we've got to be willing to learn. You're setting your cap by by allowing your universal yeah. mind to understand that you're ready. Yes. That you're going to go there. And basically, you start to find your path. The pathfinder will come and get you and will show you the way. And it's very true. Yeah. When the student is ready, mm -hmm. the teacher will come. Yes. So be aware and allow. Yes. Don't start getting into, but yes, what, uh, this, that, don't know, uh, 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 no. You know, sit on your butt. That's the only butt that you need. It's like instead of... Okay, I'm allowed. Take me where you need me to go. I'm ready, willing, and able. As Judge Judy would say, you have one mouth and two ears for a reason. <laughs> Shut up and listen. Yeah. Let what comes in the ears articulate and understanding what comes out of the mouth. <laughs> right? Take it in. Take a yeah. pause. Take a breath before you respond. And also listen with the ears behind your ears. Yes. And see with the eyes behind your eyes. Allow yeah. all that is there to be seen and heard. Yeah. And understand that that is your truth. Right. I have to feel my knowledge. I have to feel what I listen to. I have to feel uh, what I do with it. If my feeling, if my core is not attached to it, I can't do it. If my core or my feeling is that, yes, I don't need to understand it, but this feels good, let's go with it. Let's see where it takes me. Then I know I'm off on another exploration. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, how did I get here? Does it matter? I'm here. No. Where am I going? Does it matter? It's there. Yeah. But who am I having an impact on? Inspiration begets invitation. Become that inspiration for others. Because that's an invitation for them to believe. If she can, I too can. And allow. But the best way to do it is to allow yourself to shine. Yes. Be abundant. Let your cup run off over. Yeah. Right? It isn't about... You know, I don't want to shine too bright because it, it might scare everybody or people think I'm too big for my boots. Forget about that. You know, you're in your boots. It's You've worked hard to be in your boots, right? 
if you're too shiny or too bright for other people, it's just they're not ready to see. Yeah. They've still got a different one. journey to take before they can see. It's it's one of the things that in the morning when I'm doing my affirmations, etc., the one thing that I see that one of the things I see that I'm grateful for is my shine. Mm-hmm. And I say, I am grateful to spirit and to the universe for my shine. For when my shine is shone across the universe, it's it's reflected back by the mirror universe. And that arc can herald in by picking up all the would-be shines that don't know they can shine, those who have been told they will never shine or don't have one. They can all learn to shine. And when that happens, we can herald in a golden age of peace, prosperity, harmony, balance and respect for the whole of the planet, animal, vegetable and mineral, and even the bacteria and the viruses as well. Yeah. Everything has a reason. And this global virus has had a reason. And it was to make us pause, to make us take Mm -hmm. that breath, to review our lives, to renew our directions to understand what really is important and what isn't and that not to be afraid to take a different direction because that's the invitation try something new go in a different way and yes not to uh, at all undermine all the the people that have lost their lives or have gone home to the universe and the people that have been left behind because that is always the balance of life too. But it is about the death that we need to have in our own lives and the new birth that we need to birth ourselves with. And we don't want to go back to quote, quote, normal. Normal was not working for the planet. Normal was not working for humanity. We don't even want to have the word normal in it. But yeah, what normal. we normal. What's normal, right? What's normal? Yeah. What we do want is some common codes of conduct And what we do want is things to be heart-based. If it comes from the heart, anything that you do in life, if it comes from the heart, truly, it can't be wrong. And it will be on a higher frequency, a higher vibration, and it will be more productive for mankind. So I think we are stepping right now into heart center, Mm. where we're learning to care, have more compassion, more empathy. And through that learning, there is a different path for us. It's a different journey for us. And in that compassion for each other, we can be so much more together rather than the me, myself, and mine. Because that got no nobody anywhere. It's got to be ours. Yeah. It's got to be everyone's. Yeah. And everything's. We share this planet. We have to learn to share we're like kids in the kindergarten who don't know how to share toys. Right. Yes. And and when you do see kids sharing, you know, or helping someone else, you know, there's a, a program over here. Um, I think it's called Master Chef and um, what's the name? Ramsey and a few others. And they do it with kids. Junior and Master Chef, yeah. Right. And you can see kids of 8 to 13, and the way they support each other, the way they cheer each other on, and the way they comfort each other if they've had a bad, you know, bad dish, it is so warm and so wonderful. And yet they're still competing with each other, but it's not cutthroat. 
It's not like I'm going to get this no matter what. You know, and that kind of camaraderie is something that we need to have for one another. You do what you do. I do what I do. Can it create an orchestra that can, you know, be a wonderful symphony? That is what we look for. The orchestra, it's not about having the same instrument or my instrument's more important than yours. It's how can I bring my instrument to this orchestra where we can create some resonating music that is invitational and inspirational to others. What yeah. can we do collectively? Definitely. So what are you offering your clientele right now? What, um, what are your programs and how do people get hold of you? Well, my programs, I'm building an online course at the moment on ceremony, which is bringing ceremony to the individual, mm. allowing the individual to be their own celebrant. But also, making the rites of passage happen every day too. Mm -hmm. Understanding that little things will bring you bigger things along the way. So just getting up in the morning and going outside and saying thank you to the sun. Yeah. For coming up for the new day. Going out and saying thank you to the snow for making everything quiet and beautiful mm. and look really nice and being able to make snowmen even. Understanding how to make rites of passage count that your child comes in from their first day at school with a drawing and you make a fuss but you can also make that a ceremony yeah. and make it a thing that they will remember I did that it was valued I am valued I am loved yes I am noticed and other ceremonies that we can do even for ourselves yeah when it just comes to having a bubble bath at night can become a beautiful thing just honoring of self right honoring yourself yeah but allowing yourself to be mindful of it, and not just be mindful, be present in the place so we're not going too far forward and worrying and getting anxious. Yeah. I'm also doing, um, I've got a course coming up on Udemy quite shortly on making your own talking sticks mm. and spirit sticks Ooh. and about how these things can be items of power mm. and allowing that to be. I've got uh, some journey circles coming up where I'll be doing an introductory course. It'll be on Eventbrite too and on Facebook. Um, you can get me on Facebook, uh, Journeys with Bear and Wolf, and you can get me on Spiral Heart Healing on Facebook. And uh, there's a blog, spiralheartscotland.com. And uh, basically, I'm doing a lot of work over Zoom with people where I'm doing introductory calls and introducing them to the, the idea of healing over the internet with shamanism. But also it's basically about the community of making circle and allowing people to open their hearts to this way of being and to understanding how they can actually take this and go forward. Mm -hmm. I'm also doing a lot of storytelling because I do love to tell stories in case you hadn't noticed. Yes, yes. But we learn, <laughs> we learn from each other's stories. Yes. We relate it. It shows, you know, how similar we are or in the difference of how different we can be. You know, that again, that inspiration begets invitation. And it's important to, to share a story. Um, this is why, you know, these are called the why shows. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? It's in your story, your journey has led you to doing what you're doing today, serving others. And that is always an inspiration for others. So 
I'm going to go through your uh, sites again. So it's spiralheart.co.uk, not .com folks, spiralheart.co.uk. Um, you've got spiralheartsscotland.com. And then get hold of you at info at spiralheart.co.uk. And your Facebook is Shamanism Scotland. And your other Facebook is Spiral Heart Healing. And your Instagram is Spiral Heart 4. And Twitter is Spiral Heart 4. And there's another one here. Oh, no, that's the other one. So, yeah, you can get hold of you in all of these ways. And Yes, we, you know, people think, oh, well, it's, you know, it's online and I'm not going to get the same effect. Everything is energy. Everything has a signature. Just because you're not in the same room does not mean you do not have the same energetic presence, right? Yeah, Bring your energy, it will meet, and together you'll dance. <laughs> it's like anything. It's like doing distance healing and Reiki. Yes. It's like, like that. Because we're putting energy out there, we are energetic creatures. Yes. We are using just a different form of energy to flow straight to where you are and allow in the universal world to make you better. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's what it's about, right? We always want to become better and it's not because we're flawed. Is that because that's the permission for us to be so much more than we've allowed ourselves to be. One of the things I've learned from doing these shows for so many years is the common denominator is people discovering their strength, their courage, their abilities, what they're actually able to do, whom they're really able to serve. And it doesn't matter what they've gone through, how catastrophic some of it has been, where you look at them and you go, I, I wouldn't blame you if you curled up and died with what you've been through yet what they've been through they've looked upon as a life lesson and they're now sharing that lesson and the skills and tools that they use to thrive along with others and that is something to be celebrated yes thank you so much for sharing your story here today and for doing the work that you're doing you know, we, we are in transition. Everybody's beginning to discover their wings and go, okay, there, there's more to life than what we've been conditioned to believe. And there's more to my story than what I was allowed to say. It's time for me to explore who I am, why I'm here, what I'm capable of doing. And the work that you're doing helps people discover that in themselves and helps them discover what their service is to mankind because we're all here to be contributors, aren't we? Yes, we are. Thank you so much. Tash Dilly. Bless you. Remember folks, it doesn't matter where you came from, how you started or even how rocky the road has been along the way. There are smooth waters ahead if you're willing to breathe, willing to learn and willing to allow. And we need you to do that because that's actually what makes the world a better place. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at 
www.discoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.